This week on Movie Time Machine, Monster Closet Edition, child murderer Freddy Krueger returns to haunt and kill yet another group of teenagers in their dreams. This is A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Welcome to the Movie Time Machine Monster Closet, your retro movie horror review podcast where we take nightmares from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, released in the year 1985, and I didn't put in who it's written by or directed by. My fault. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it is directed by Rennie Harlan and written by, oh, there's a lot of writers on this one. Uh, well, Wes Craven for the characters, William Kotzwinkle, uh, Brian Helgeland, Jim Wheat, and Ken Wheat. Dude, I even think this I, that's not the right year either. I'm fucking really dropping the ball here today. It came out in 88, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Released in the year 1988. Written by those people that Jamie said and directed by that other person. <laughs> I'm your time machine co-host. I'm not even. Oh, my God. I'm your time machine host, Chad. Probably not for too much longer. And want to introduce <laughs> you to my monster closet co-host, Mr. Scary Pants himself, Jamie. How are you doing? Hey, Chad. You know, you're not going to drop that moniker now. It's uh, <laughs> you're forever going to be Mr. Scaredy Pants. <laughs> I'll take it. Like I said, until I conquer my current uh, horror movie fear, I no rebuttal from me. But All right. um, he's not even going to fight it. I'm not going to fight it. Not even a little bit. But before we move past the director, um, I just wanted to call out. He's got some interesting movies. Rennie Harlan. He did Die Hard 2. Huh? Okay. Cliffhanger. Um, James's favorite movie, Cutthroat Island. <laughs> and <laughs> one of my favorite movies of the 90s, Deep Blue Sea. So oh. that's Rennie Harlan. As always with Monster Closet, we just hop right into the movie of the week. So this week, we're on a roll again here with uh, Monster Closet. Hopping into the fourth. Well, actually, let's let's go back quick. We've already done Dream Warrior a while back. Um, we'll reference that show episode number in the show notes if you want to go back and listen to our thoughts on that one. So that's why we're jumping into or skipping three going into four. Um, so if you want to hear our thoughts on Dream Warrior, go back, check that out. So Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. And are we are we nearing the end of the 80s Nightmare on Elm Street run? Is it like does it end at five? So this is 88. I'm trying to see when the Dream Child came out. I think um, Dream Child came out like the end of 89. Oh, that was say. a quick turnaround. Okay. Yeah, so Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. I, I think, think a the... lot of these came out pretty quick. There was like a bigger gap between two and three. And then there's like it's like a year and a half, a year and a half and a year and a half. Because this one is the first one, too, that doesn't come out in the late fall winter months like i always said like right in time before the holidays uh, this one came on august august 19th 88 yep you're exactly right that's uh the biggest gap is between freddy's revenge and dream warriors and then freddy's dead the final nightmare and west craven's new nightmare as far right. as the the freddy films i'm not counting freddy versus jason because i think that was something different so 
Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, quick, let's just go into the history of the film as far as like box office goes. And we'll go over like ratings and reviews quick. Then we'll dive into our thoughts on the film. Um, this had a budget of $6.5 million, And comparing that to Freddy 1 and Freddy 2, which had $3 million and $1.1 million um, budgets, dollars. <laughs> um, and the box office, it raked in $49.4 million, So... More than um, Freddy's Revenge, um, but about seven million less than the first Nightmare. But you'd still say that's pretty good for a horror flick, pulling in almost fifty mil. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's making money for sure. All right, and this was released in August night, yeah, August nineteen eighty eight. So a way to end the summer for all of your teens, right? Going back to. Um, school just in time to uh see what happens when you can't sleep or when you're trying to avoid sleep to escape the nightmare um ratings and reviews this has a 52 percent on rotten tomatoes for critic review and 43 percent audience score imdb average is 5.7 out of 10 and the metacritic score average is 43 um yeah so it is how does that align with your thoughts on the film um just some quick thoughts and we'll go into some detail. So, so I'm guessing that you don't like this one as much as the other ones. Go. You're correct. I, I don't. I think that it's really hard to follow the high note that Dream Warriors set. Um, as we've discussed, I think in multiple episodes, that's that's my favorite of the franchise. I think that's your favorite, right? Yes. I would say yeah. this one's a close second, though. Oh, no, okay. my third, third. Probably... Right now, I'm at like three, one, four, two. Okay, and I would go three, one, two, four. But um, yeah, I, there's a noticeable um, elevating of Freddy as the hero. The the teens in this movie are more set pieces and window dressing, whereas I think in Dream Warriors, that was the best part of it for me. I mean, Nancy came back. We had Patricia Arquette as Kristen and kind of everyone in between and they really did feel like the main characters and freddy was the antagonist this one it feels more like freddy is the protagonist and the antagonist like people are here to see freddy now the rest is just bonus right and um i think that would not matter as much to me if freddy was one of my favorite villains and and he's just not i mean i i just don't think i saw these films at a young enough age to kind of cement him in that space for me but he's certainly fun and definitely still menacing even through all the one-liners but yeah just for that reason for me it's i i track with about that uh you know 50 percent. i i would give it a i would give it a c c hard c on the so is that well. what do you what what would be a C grade on your on your letterbox score? Uh, two. two. I I haven't reviewed it yet, but yeah, I would give it two stars. Two. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah, maybe two and a half. Because when I started the film, it was a two. I think because it brought me back down to earth. Like we killed off the Dream Warriors cast right away, and that's the film I enjoyed so much. And just recasting Kristen. I mean, these things happen. It's unfortunate just because patricia arquette is so good i would have loved yeah. to see her reprise that role but that's just not always realistic um 
but for that reason, it brought it down for me. But once we kind of get into the film and it's once I was able to recognize what it is, like this is about Freddy, I do think there's some really cool stuff as far as playing around in the dreams and really awesome set pieces. Like like the opening scene when they're going through the original Elm Street house and it's it feels like a haunted house that you're walking through. I thought that was really effective just right out of the gates. Yeah. I'll give you that really quick. So the, it's like the, the, what do you call it? Like the tripod or the, the three movies Like when you think of, when you think of like uh horror movies, um, what'd you call them? Like the pillars. So you have like Halloween, uh, Friday the 13th and nightmare on Elm street. Yes. Yeah, it's like from like a, a blog or something you had read that kind of made you go back down this path to kind of rewatch some of these older films. Yeah, it was a, a YouTube channel. One of the guys I had listened to, his name's Cody Leach, I think it is. He does mm-hmm. just like film reviews and nerd culture reviews and stuff like that. But yeah, he yeah. was, yeah, he reviewed each of those franchises, the films from each of those franchises and ranked them against each other. And I think, you know, just from the 80s, I think that is the three. It, granted, the original Halloween was in the 70s, but for the most part, it's pretty much an 80s franchise. Right. So I would say my feelings towards Freddy Krueger, he is like the three stooges of that, of those pillars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying? Like he's like the slapsticky slasher villain guy. Yeah. Um, so like, I always have liked the, the creature character of, of uh, Fred Krueger, but like, I mean, I don't, I've always watched these movies with like a lens of knowing that there's going to be some sort of comedy aspect involved in it. And I'm starting to see how that kind of evolved more over time. I think it really ramps up in three than four. It's like, you know, the like it's just pedal to the metal, you know, <laughs> it's just all about like the the comic, I think, Um for like each little kill that you get or each time you get the characters that meet with or encounter Freddy. Yeah. Um, so that's what I, I really like about this movie. I don't think it's a great movie, um, but I think it's worth a, a good watch. Um, so I guess I, I gave it a three on my letterbox um, as I think it's like a good movie. I don't know. It, it stumbles a lot, but the thing I like about it is there's this tell me I might be wrong on this. All right. Is I think it kind of flips the premise a little bit. Flips the script. I think maybe just kind of mentioned this flips the script um, from three to four where it's like um, the kids from the dream wars where the, where now in four he's using Kristen and then Alice is like this conduit to um, get to these other kids. Right to kill them, whatever, do whatever Freddy does versus mm-hmm. like in three, it was all these kids were grouping together through Kristen, correct? To f- help fight Freddy. Yeah. 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 I would say that's correct. So I kind of like that. I was just seeing actually my, my second watch through uh, of this. So I kind of like that aspect of it. I think not it doesn't have the dream warriors stocking song in this one but i think it has a pretty cool soundtrack that you can't find anywhere i had to like kind of listen through 
the songs and actually I had it in subtitles. So it would like say like Sinead O'Connor, <laughs> you know, like, yep. um, or like, yeah. And like in the end credits, like, let me just go through the list quick. Cause we have like Olivia Newton, John, the living in desperate times and drama Rama, the anything, anything song, which was kind of bringing up some old memories. And yeah, you got the Sinead O'Connor with the uh, MC lights. I want your hands on me. I think it, the end credits like begins with that song at the end of the um, film. And then in the end credits, we get the fat boys. Are you ready for Freddie? Come on now. I mean, it can't beat Dawkins, Right. But I right. think you get, you know, the, the music soundtrack is more prevalent, I guess, in a way like different, uh, mix, good mix of different genres of music that I think that kind of went well with, um, different parts of the film. And I think the overall like sc- uh, score of the movie, um, again, is picking up too, which I really liked. Uh, yeah, I um, I I really enjoyed the music as well, and I I kind of want to connect two points you made here. I um, so you referred to Freddie as more like this comedian thing, and I do think it helps to think of this film as if like. This movie is Saturday Night Live, and he's the yeah. host, and each kill is a different <laughs> sketch. Yeah. Because that's it, basically totally. what's going on. Yep. I and, love it. Yeah, and I was connecting that to the note you made here about Sinead O'Connor and that infamous SNL moment, if you want to walk us through that. I was pretty young at the time, so it's not something I remember well, but. Oh, like. They well use in modern terms is um, they tried to basically cancel Sinead O'Connor because when she was doing their live performance on SNL, I want maybe it was like it had to be like early 90s, maybe like 91, 90 or something like that. But um, while she was performing, I can't remember her hit song at the from the time. Um, was it Nothing Compares to You? Nothing, yeah. Oh my god, how did I forget that? I think Thank while you, she was Prince. performing, <laughs> but um. Yeah, while she was performing that, she holds a picture of the Pope at the time, which was John Pope John Paul II. Mm-hmm. And she ripped the photo up on camera and people flipped the fuck out over it because she ripped up a photo of the Pope. <laughs> I, I know that it's um, and there's a few of these episodes throughout the years, like guests who are not invited back or whatever th- this episode they like scrubbed out from they're like nobody is seeing this they didn't show it in the reruns or anything like that because it was so controversial i wonder if you can find it now like on peacock or whatever but yeah yeah. at least you could find like the 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 actual ripping up of it on youtube right Yeah, she slowly kind of peels the picture apart (laughs) <laughs> right well and it's so funny too because you're right it, it pissed people off and rather than you know we're not good at this in the usa you know everyone's just alarmed oh my god rather than why so she's an irish artist why would she maybe have some strong feelings about the pope and the catholic church let's discuss right. you right. know so i think that maybe we would uh dive deeper into such topics nowadays but who knows i'm just looking here it occurred on october 3rd 1992 i'm reading from history.com this day in history and 
says, I'll just read through this quick. O'Connor surprised the SNL staff when she opted to sing an acapella version of the Bob Marley song War instead of a song from her recent pop-up. Um, from her recent album, she gave a stark, intense performance of the song, which decries ignoble and unhappy regimes that hold people in subhuman bondage, changing some of the lyrics to specifically mention child abuse. At the conclusion, O'Connor held a picture up of the Pope on camera and tore it into pieces, saying, fight the real enemy. And people lost their shit. Well, I'll just keep on going with this. So it says here, a year after O'Connor's SNL appearance, a mass grave was discovered on the grounds of one such institution, prompting an investigation from the UN Committee on the Rights of the Child. So prompting an investigation from the UN Committee on Rights of the Child. As these abuses and thousands of other cases of child abuse across Ireland and the U.S. finally came into light in the 2000s, the real target of O'Connor's shocking protest became increasingly clear. So very interesting indeed. I remember seeing that live, and I, I really didn't understand the context of it either. I was, when I was 1992, so I was 15. So, yeah. I probably didn't watch it because I was not a big fan of Sinead O'Connor. I wasn't smart enough to actually understand or even know, like, the writer of the song, Prince. So, yeah, come to appreciate it many years later. What a great song. Done so well. Remember, too, that I think there's a really good music video for that. But I think I want to say that she tried to make a comeback, too. On Sinead O'Connor talk, but more on that later. When we look up why, let's see here. Why Patricia Arquette, why she wasn't in Nightmare 4. It's loading. Why Patricia Arquette didn't return for Nightmare on Elm Street 4? I'm going to take this off screen rant. So first, been widely circulated online that she was pregnant during filming and thus couldn't participate. Um, but the timeline on that doesn't really make sense as she acted in another film that was shot around the same time. Also, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 entered production in early 1988 and Arquette didn't give birth until 1989. Another theory says that her career already her career is already gaining steam, so Arquette's agents asked for more money to return um, producers. Arquette's agents asked for more money to return the, the producers wanted to pay. So, then finally, in a 2017 interview, Arquette set the record straight. Uh, Arquette says her not returning as Kristen in A Nightmare on Elm Street 4 was due to wanting to pursue other projects that allowed her to play what she considered to be a media dramatic roles. Despite that, Arquette says she loves the horror genre and still has a lot of affection for the franchise. There's no reason to doubt that as she's appeared in multiple horror projects in a decade since Facing Freddy. So, yeah. Basically, her career kind of was taking off and agents didn't want to pay her more for that same role, so they just replaced her. And Yeah. I wonder if that would have been different, Jamie, if Patricia Arquette reprised her role as Kristen. I would have 
and I don't know if it would have made me happier or sad just to see her go out because that was that was part of what bummed me out too is like Kristen was such a strong character and like she cracked the code you know she figured out how to beat Freddy but obviously if you're gonna keep having a nightmare franchise well you can't have somebody who knows Freddy's secret so yeah what do you want to hop into next what are some some of your favorite parts about this movie like what do you actually what do you like about this movie so we kind of heard like your takes on why this isn't one of your favorites um out of nightmare franchise um what did you like so i have i have <laughs> one more did you like <laughs> one more thing i didn't like and it's just a nitpick but there was so basically um who's our alice alice is our vessel for these um kids who are not part of the original sin of killing freddy and she's bringing them in so that they can get killed. I just want to let the record show that not once have I ever fallen asleep bench pressing anything. I <laughs> that was that was the one I couldn't get over. I was like falling asleep in class, okay, after spending all night studying for a physics test, been there. But and falling asleep in a bathroom stall, mm, probably not, but I was more willing to let that slide. Yeah. Never, never if I'm actively bench pressing, have I gotten tired enough to not off even just for a second? So I just needed to clear the air on that. But okay. Have you ever been? Well, this doesn't make sense because Debbie in this film wasn't a believer in Fred Krueger anyway. So there wouldn't be any reason why she wouldn't be getting any sleep. But I'll say like, well, if you're ever really tired where you're a if like these kids are afraid to sleep and you're not sleeping at all, like when you're super exhausted and been up for long hours at a time, like you're the line between am I sleeping and am I awake can blur. <laughs> right. Um, so like you think you're, you're like, you're just sitting on the couch and all of a sudden you're like dreaming about sitting on a couch and then like the Kool-Aid man comes in the room. Then you like wake up and no, the Kool-Aid man's not in the room. You're just super tired and should probably just fall asleep. Cause you just woke up from that weird little, split second dream um <laughs> not, are you speaking not, from experience no not the kool-aid man part but <laughs> <laughs> everything else yes yes um, oh yeah no that's a valid point and i think there are um yeah like one or two plot holes but again not enough to derail the whole thing um so but as far as what i liked your original question i i did like um even though they dispatched of our original Dream Warriors pretty quickly. Like I said, I do think if you're going to keep the franchise going, you you have to reinvent and come up with some new rules. So I did like the idea of Freddy using Alice to pull in other kids um, into his nightmare. Yeah, what did you think about like her? Um, what did you think about her taking like their abilities? I was like, I was like, into it. Yeah, like. Because I, I felt like they set that up well enough that if she is the dream master, then she does have some kind of extra control or higher power or knowledge. So that would be something within the realm of their rules. So I, I didn't mind that. Did you like that? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. It made, started making me think of Rogue from like the X-Men comics. Oh, that's a perfect example. <laughs> it's like absorbing their powers. But yeah, it's kind of yeah. Like- they should they should have made one now where like she has these powers and then she turns into like uh, a rogue agent for Freddy where she's actually pursuing like other kids to like hunt down kids for Freddy to kill even though he is 
in a different realm. Oh, that see now now this is like the Saw Two. We're drifting into Saw Two territory. Oh really? Which, I don't remember I, Saw Two. Spoiler alert for Saw Two. Yeah, <laughs> that's where Amanda starts uh, bringing in victims for Jigsaw. So mm. I I could get into that. I think. Actually, I don't know anything about Dream Child, so I won't speculate. But uh, I was going to say, I think they do some of that. But again, I don't know what I don't know. But yeah, it. I thought it really made the scene at the end kind of cool when she's got all of the totems of her dead friends, like the the insect uh, frequency thing, Rick's uh, Danielson headband. And um, it was cool how she kept pulling her dead friend's pictures off of the mirror as the film progressed. And, you yeah. know, at first I, I didn't get that. I was like, that's kind of dumb. But then when it kind of came together in the end, it really worked for me. I was surprised that it did. Dude, I'm so dense. I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> like oh the, yeah. The, wow. Okay, cool. I like this. Well, cause now, cause now the... I justified my three stars. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause the first one's weird because it's Kristen and Freddie and she pulls that picture off the wall and, I just thought at the time, like, that's a weird thing to throw into the middle of the movie. But yeah. then, yeah, as, as each one goes, she keeps um, taking their picture off the mirror. And then she sees herself and finds yeah. her inner warrior kind of thing. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. Now I, see, now I see it, man. Now I see it. Um, What else? Anything else? <sighs> let's How about, see. Uh, let's see here. Um. What about what about your favorite kill scene? So I have you mentioned the, the cockroach thing, right? The Debbie one or. You... Yeah, yeah, I think just from like a full set piece, what the hell is going on? That was that was cool because we'd never seen Freddie do that. We'd never seen him transform a kid within their dream into something else. So that was yeah. different. That was different. And I, I thought the biggest, I, I liked the waterbed too. I thought that was cool. I think as a teenage kid, I would have definitely followed my pinup poster into the waterbed and just been doomed. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that one tracked. I, I thought the, the one who got done kind of dirty was Kincaid was because that setup was so cool with all of the cars in the junkyard and as they slowly start to close in on him yeah and then he just gets stabbed in the gut really quick i was like oh yeah. you got you guys nearly had it you know right like if you just had the cars like slowly like come in on him, you know then like kind of pan back as like the you know like the cars all of a sudden block the view of the camera then like all of a sudden you hear like a crunch yeah and then <laughs> like so, all the know. car alarms <laughs> go off one. at once yes yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Did we have? Yeah, I'm sure there was car alarms in 1988. Had to be. I know. We assume that every car has some sort of annoying alarm on it, (laughs) judging by every time we have a thunderstorm. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's for me. Yeah, the whole the whole bug scene with like Debbie, that whole thing to me was like pretty brutal. And that is like the one that I remember out of all the series that when I saw, I was like, yeah, I told it this one, this one has never, this is like the whole scene that I remember. That's kind of encompassed all of the nightmare and Elm street movies for me was this one. I couldn't remember which one I was always thinking this was in uh, dream warriors, but the whole, um, yeah, the transformation of the cockroach and then ends up in like the, the roach motel. 
and then she's all yeah. sticky and she's still slowly transforming and like it's um then he like picks up the box and then when it shows her she's like oh she's all stuck and trying to pull her bug arms out and you see freddie's eye <laughs> yeah look at him he's got some pretty good like one-liners in that one too like it starts out with the he snaps her arms on the weight bench. He's like, no pain, no gain. <laughs> and then she uh, transforms into the roach and, and gets crushed in the roach motel. And he's like, looks at it. He's like, you can check in, but you can never check out. <laughs> yeah, he got Those are some good ones. Two one liners in one kill. Yeah, it was a pretty yeah. efficient one. Um, Let's see here. Yeah, I would agree. Me, What's that? Sorry, I cut you off. Would you say that's the grossest one for you or the one that disturbed you the most or out of the whole franchise? Yeah, I just because it's usually I feel like the kills are usually pretty quick and it's usually like one thing. Mm -hmm. Unless I'm missing something I could since I didn't see that the whole picture thing, too, which now it seems pretty obvious. But it's just like the weight bench thing. It's like, oh, he could have just like ended it there. And then you get the whole transformation, which he could have just kind of ended there, I guess. Then yep. the like the death and like uh, the sticky goo. So it's like this thing is like, oh, you're pretty much like what's your fate? Like he's either going to crush you or you're just going to sit there until you starve to death. <laughs> I don't know. Like that all seemed like the most brutal out of for me. Um I mean, there's nothing yeah. outside of anything that's like really bloody, but like the most like maybe not brutal, but it's most like it's more, it seems so, so like torture esque. They kind right. of drag it on, but yeah, right, yeah. That one, that one's close. That one almost unseated for me. The the king is still in Dream Warriors when he rips out Philip's tendons. Oh, and he treats him like a marionette. So disgusting. Yeah, like that's, that's the only good. one in the whole franchise that made me actively uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah. this one comes close. Yeah, I do. I think that was my favorite from that one as well. I have to go back and listen to that. And you can too. Check us out. Um, let's see here. Do you... well since we're talking about death scenes, you want to just roll through some of these other ones quick? Um, see if I've covered these all. So we talked about Debbie a couple times. Uh, yep. So Kristen, um, our hero from Three Dream Warriors. So he gets to this point to where like um, this and this actress, too, is so bad. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's bad. It's bad for like a slasher film. It's so awful, especially because like her mom gives her sleeping pills. Right. So she can sleep. Mm-hmm. Then like her like careening like up the stairs, <laughs> like back from like the rail to the wall. Then she's like in her room and like how she's just like lunt, like falling towards like her her vanity and she's knocking everything off and then she falls to the floor. Oh, so comical. I'm pretty sure that's not how actual sleeping pills affect the body. No, (laughs) no, not that I take sleeping pills for fun, but right. Pills that have made me sleepy. Yeah. No, it doesn't work like that. So yeah, then she gets uh, burned alive. Freddie throws her into the furnace pit and then, yeah, is it uh, Alice? She has like she she sees what's going on. And yeah, by the time they get their house, there's just like this fire. So I'm wondering, like, what the what the mom is doing this entire time? Because that blaze is going right. Like, yeah, her mom didn't go up there until her friends came over. <laughs> That's <think>. right. <laughs> she didn't smell the smoke. Right. 
Yeah, that's true. The window's open. The room is clearly in flames and right. just nothing from mom. She's finishing her second Cabernet. Hey, Kristen, I think you're burning the toast again. Oh, wait, I gave Kristen sleeping pills. Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, then I didn't even put her. Who's the character's name again? The The nerd of the film? Sheila. Sheila, yeah. Yeah, I th- th- yeah. Go ahead. I was to say I was kind of disappointed we didn't get more screen time with her character because I think out of all of them, I I found her to be most captivating for whatever reason. Um, yeah, same here. Yeah, but I, I I thought that kill was pretty cool too, just from a makeup effects, like when her body goes from her to the dummy to the skeleton dummy. Yeah, I thought that was effective. Yeah, it was pretty good pretty good um the th- i was gonna say too like how it all starts off like when the i don't know she's doing like some kind of trigonometry or whatever <laughs> her paper like all like the the letter numbers and whatever angles are moving around and then it gets like the um learning is fun with freddy it's yeah. spelled on it i was really disappointed that that wasn't done in blood Oh, um, right. Yeah, it starts dripping after the <laughs> yeah. ink is on there. Yeah. And then, um, and then this is what I don't, is it like a robot? I was like, when that hand came out, the first thing that popped in my mind was um, like a Robbie the robot kind of arm, like the classic robot from a Lost in Space. Oh, you know what I'm talking yeah. About? It seemed I do. like that was like a robot arm from that generation of science fiction robots. Um, so I was like, is it because she's a nerd? And it's like, I didn't get any of that at all. Like, but yeah, it's, I think this was not just an eighties thing, but just a movies thing about nerds or smart people. I, just because she's, uh, you know, whiz bang at physics and biology doesn't mean she does robotics. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. <laughs> Those are two completely different disciplines. Right. But yeah, you're right. It's like, we don't know what to do. Ah, she's smart. Throw some big glasses on her and we'll have a robot arm come in. Why not? Yeah. And is that like, I don't know. There's, we'll get to it later. I think there's some um, kind of quintessential 80s uh, tropes that I want to talk about. See if you agree with me here after we go through this. Um, yes. So after that, I have Rick Johnson. I like to call him Karate Rick. <laughs> Karate Rick. So he has like he has a fight with an invisible Freddy Krueger. I'm mm-hmm. guessing because um, uh, what's the guy that plays Freddy Krueger? Robert Englund. Robert Englund was. I'm guessing this was maybe like after. Maybe this was like a reshoot, or Robert Englund was. I don't know. Slept unavailable. In that day. Unavailable. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. He, but the glove was there, so he kicked the glove. Then the glove comes and stabs him. Then we get the Sayonara, Rickson. <laughs> so bad. I know. Yeah. If 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 I was doing a date, Mary kill with any of these three or with any of these kills, this would be the one I would kill. Kill. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty it bad. Just, the the only thing I will say in its favor that worked for me is how he goes from a different room into this, like karate cloud space like that's how dreams work you know what i mean you start in one place yeah and 
the very next second you don't know how you got there but you're in a completely different atmosphere and environment so that's the only thing i will say and that kills favor gotcha all right then after that we have well that's it i think that's it for our 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 deaths that's all what what about freddie what about freddie what right 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 i just want to say so dan comes close right yes um then they end up on it looks like some kind of kaleidoscope thing. And he's his one liners on that one. Aren't that aren't that great. Um, he has a, the well, it ain't Dr. Seuss moment when he wakes up. He has the doctors around him and the out for a spin. Love birds. Yeah, those ones pretty those those fall pretty flat. Yeah. Um, and then we get, yeah, the kind of like the final fight scene with between Alice and and Freddie. So which I thought this one was pretty cool. And I got to say, I think the effects on all this, especially when we get to the souls, like in Freddy's chest, I thought were pretty cool. Um, Maybe it kind of reminds me of this game. um, Guy, it was like on the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360 generation where you went through the levels of um, Dante's Inferno. Oh, cool. Not Devil May Cry. No. Not Devil May Cry. No. Was it um, Clive Barker's Jericho? No. God, what okay. was it? it was like, no, it was like base where you were actually going. You were like a knight that had perished and you were fighting your way through like the different levels of Dante's Inferno. Oh, I never but, played that one. <clears throat> yeah, it wasn't that great, but it had some cool looking parts. It was pretty controversial because I had like this giant like phallic looking thing that was like made out of like breasts and yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I think it was trying to be like a God of War type game from that. Era. Oh, yeah. But yeah, we get the the uh, the battle with Freddy. He has like a there's like a quote for me, I think is like a quote of the movie where like Freddy is just kind of like where he says like, I am eternal. Oh, she, that's where she uses like the, the device that, um, nerd girl made. I forgot her name already. Then like Sheila. shot, Sheila shot a hole through Freddie by grabbing like a power line or something and shot it through Sheila's device that she made for Debbie to help scare away bugs. Right. Yep. So Freddie has a big hole through him. He has a heart. Um, which I guess is, is this like a, a future Grinch story that they were trying to tell, but <laughs> <laughs> and then he waves his arms and the hole is gone. Then he's like, I am eternal. I was like, damn, this should be like, it's like a good line to have before, like a, like a thrash metal slong kits kicks in. <laughs> yeah. Why did we never get a, a Freddie fronted thrash metal band? I don't know. Is it the perfect voice for it? Yeah, that would have played perfect. growl. And then Alice kills Freddie because the kids sing the song about, right? Basically, it tells her that she can use Freddie's reflection to yep. kill him. So she does the Medusa technique <laughs> from Clash of the Titans. <laughs> um, and all the stoles start escaping. But yeah, I thought that was really cool. Or like the bodies and stuff are stretching out of his skin and the arms are coming back and they're like pulp pinning them against the um, the wall or whatever. Some kind of gate that was behind them. But yeah, I really, I really liked how 
that ended. Um, and then we get the typical Nightmare on Elm Street ending. It's where like everything is back to normal. They're walking to the uh, fountain and like they she throws in a coin to make a wish. And then we see uh, Freddy's reflection for a second and it kind of disappears in the ripples. So, yeah. What do you think of the ending of this? The Freddy fight and the the little cliffhanger. So I think out of all the films so far, this one's a toss up between this one and Dream Warriors for my favorite. I do like I think I might like Dream Warriors more just because it's a bit more subtle with the light turning on Kristen's model at the end. Yeah, Um. I like that, but this one I like too because my biggest complaints with one and two is that nothing that we saw throughout the entire film mattered or made a difference. And some would argue, well, that's a true horror film ending because this is a horror film, not a happy film. But I I got to think after sitting through an hour and a half of Alice figuring it out and defeating Freddy that something would stick and to that end i liked it i mean it gives you enough to see freddy like we're not done here there's going to be future films but they kind of seal it up nicely with her um you know dan asks her what do you wish for and she responds with well if i tell you it won't come true mm-hmm. so it suggests that she does still have some power there like freddy will only continue to exist if she speaks him into existence so i think that that kind of i i, I think it worked well all right, That's I haven't one watched. Opinion. I haven't watched, or I don't remember the next film. So, it's called what's it called? Dream what's Child. It? Dream Child. <laughs> I was going to say Dream <laughs> Baby. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Um, um, so does uh, does she have a kid? And she promises the kid that uh, oh, you don't have to worry about that. I made a wish, so Freddie wouldn't come back. Whoa! Oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. That might I, actually be the plot. That might be what happens. God, that's I think that's the one I haven't seen ever. So, okay, which should be fun. I started watching like the first five minutes. That's how I knew that it's the same actress too, right? That plays Alice, I think. Ah, uh, great one? question. I'm actually not sure. I know Alice is in it. I don't yeah. know if the actor is the same. All right, cool. Um, are you good on time? I think we could probably uh, wrap this up in like ten minutes. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, talking about special effects, da, 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 da. really quick. So I was talking about. Oh wait, really quick. Talking about favorite scenes, actually, really quick. Favorite scene: Alice at the restaurant. Freddie shows up. It's like Nick. He gets he gets or Rick, not Nick. Rick. He gets killed twice in a way. Um, Freddie shows up while she's at this kind of old decrepit restaurant of where she actually works, and he's like, "If the food doesn't kill you, the service will." <laughs> And like the pizza of souls comes up and he's like sticks his finger knife in to eat a meat, a Rick meatball. (laughs) And he says, I love soul food. (laughs) I think it's gotta be, that's gotta be my favorite. Anyway, that was the only scene too, that um, reminded me of the remake, the, the film that shall not be made. I was like, Oh, that's the only other time in this franchise we've seen a diner. But that's all oh, I'll say about really? it because okay. I hate that movie and don't want to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, five minutes was enough for me to hate it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> wiki, wiki, wiki. So looking at the fandom page, 
granted that's the blanket website fandom they have everything here star wars game of thrones you name it you can kind of curate it to your user experience but what i'm looking at right now because horror fans particularly within the slasher genre have a way of becoming obsessed with a kill count of the antagonists it might seem macabre to people who are not fans of the genre but Within horror circles, it's useful information when you're discussing, well, is Jason more lethal than Freddy? I don't know. What about Michael Myers and Halloween 2? There was a lot of bodies in that one. So what I'm doing is looking at the kill count for Nightmare on Elm Street 4, the Dream Master. And I can go into this now or later, but I have info on... So right now... Obvious spoiler, requisite spoiler warning. So in order, we have Roland Kincaid stabbed in the gut in the junkyard. Joey Cruzel pulled underwater into his waterbed and killed with the finger knives. And Kristen Parker, this one hurt me the most, burned to death in the furnace fire. Sheila Kapecki, she was, <laughs> this one's difficult to describe. Breath and organs sucked out by Freddy? Question mark. Um, Rick Johnson stabbed in gut with disembodied finger knives. Debbie Stevens, this is the most perplexing one of all, turned into a cockroach and then crushed in the Roach Motel. And this one even lists that Freddy Krueger. That one doesn't list her while she's bench pressing. Her arms get snapped at yeah. the elbows. <laughs> then we go into the cockroach transformation, Kafka style. Kafka, seriously, <laughs> that is the definition of Kafka-esque. <laughs> English majors who misuse that term all the time, just watch Dream Master. That is Kafka-esque. And then, I'm totally, I'm posing too, because my only relation to Kafka is there used to be this old, like, independent animation site I used to visit, like, in the early aughts. And there was uh, an independent computer animated film. It was like five minutes long. And I can't even remember the name of it. Is it called The Transformation? Is that like a Kafka style, like short story? I think the, me the metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, yes. So that's my only connection to Kafka. Carry on, son. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's more indie than most. I respect it. And the last one, I think importantly, it lists Freddy Krueger as a death torn apart by souls at the end of the film. I love it. Yep. And Oh, here's a fun fact out of the four that we've watched in a reviewing. I'm including the dream master, which film is credited with the highest kill count. Which one? This Guess. one is four is guess. What, what would you think? It's not one. Correct. Not two. I don't know. I, I, I This is the only the fourth one I've watched where I can actually remember. So is it three? It actually is two. At least according to this wiki fandom, this film has the highest kill count for Freddy out of any Nightmare on Elm Street film with 10 confirmed kills and four possible ones. So, yeah, you mm. have Coach Schneider, Ron Grady, and then one, two, three, four, five, six pool partiers. This one's oh, my favorite. That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> He just runs amok. But this one's my favorite. The would-be negotiator slashed thrown into grill. <laughs> oh, God. And then 
Carrie stepped. Okay, this is where they're kind of cheating, though, because for um, four of those possible non-counted deaths, they're counting two parakeets. I'm going to call bullshit on that. Oh, I yeah. don't think. No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's like, no, you gonna start counting insects, too. Like, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that will not stand. Um, no. But they have yeah, Jesse Walsh and Lisa Weber. Fate unknown. Yeah. So do you count the cockroach that gets squished in the beginning of uh, four? The one we're talking about today. Well, I think, yeah, if they're going to count the parakeets, you get let's, yeah, let's count the not, cockroach, right? <laughs> exactly. Let's not split hairs here. So and the yeah, cockroach that's in the cockroach motel with uh, Debbie. That's right. Two roaches, right? two roaches, two roaches. And do you I, count well, her twice because she turns into one. Exactly. Yeah. A death <laughs> for her human soul and then a death for the death cockroach. For, that's right. Kafka would have an opinion on this, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> but this this is where it gets sticky, though, because actually, uh, no like, pun intended, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> because Dream Warriors, there's only six counted deaths. But if you go to the non counted deaths like this movie has it by a mile, it's Freddy Krueger, Amanda Krueger, <clears throat> 22 floating corpses seen hanged in the nightmare Two Elm Street teens referred to earlier on, and then my favorite, Zsa Zsa Gabor, slashed right after the TV is turned off. And which one is that? I'm sorry. I Dream Warriors. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, he kills Zsa, Zsa and then pulls Jennifer into the TV. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or <laughs> that, yeah, where he, like, picks her up and the TV's on the wall, right? Yep. Like, the arm's gone on the TV? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, I had a discussion question for you, just for... Um, two, then we'll probably wrap this up. Sure. I started noticing a trend in this movie. So like what's in this movie, like what's up with the beach scenes and we sunglasses in the eighties, right? So we get the scene on the beach, whatever, the sunglasses. And I'm thinking, is this the Miami vice effect? So I'm thinking of like, we got the weekend at Bernie's. We have jaws four, which take place in the Bahamas. We have police Academy five at this time that takes place. It's called police Academy five, Miami beach. Then we have the beach boys, doing the Kokomo song in Naked Gun, which came out in 1980, end of 1989. So wondering if, since you're not an 80s child, if you right. had picked up on any of that stuff, or it's just my brain going crazy. I think, I, I didn't pick up on any of that. I, I did think it was odd that they were on a beach and Freddie puts on some sunglasses. So right. yeah, my mind was like, there's a reference right. here. I don't right. have the vocabulary for it. Like my future's so bright, I gotta wear shades. <laughs> totally. Thing. Like, I... oh god. Anyway, all right. So, really quick, what's aged the best or worst? I was saying, I think the practical effects age quite well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the soundtrack and overall score um, seem to hold up pretty well. Some of the, like the bad acting, um, really stuck out to me. And the plot holes for the most part. But um, yeah, I couldn't really pick out anything that I thought was really bad compared to the other movies. I didn't think this one was sexualized in a way either compared to the first three films. Right. No, the most sexual kill is when he kills Sheila. Want to suck face? That's the yeah, yeah, most yeah. Uh, sexual right. kill in the film. You're right. But yeah, no, I. Oh. I suppose too. How's this for a wet dream? When he kills Joey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. I guess I was more for, focused on like the that makes sense. Yeah, and the sexual, but, sexualization of of women. But 
Yeah, but I, I'm with you. I think what's his age the best, the best, the practical effects, that completely turned the movie around for me when I, um, as it went on, just the the costumes, the props, everything um, really bumped it up for me. And then, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the soundtrack. I, I love that Sinead O'Connor song in the movie. And I, I don't know a lot about her other than what we discussed. Um, but yeah, no, I was into it. Sweet. And, yeah, what aged the worst was I, I just couldn't get over Kristen and Alice's performance. Those were really rough for me. Yeah. <laughs> really <laughs> Pretty rough. Bad. Pretty bad. Especially Kristen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, then I have a question for you. What would Freddie do to you in your nightmare? Okay. This one's easy. This is a great question, by the way. <laughs> he would transform into the girl from the ring and come out of my dream TV because <laughs> that's awesome. She's that's awesome. She's the only horror movie character I've had an actual nightmare of. Was little Samara. So that that would be my experience. What would yeah. Freddie do to you? Uh he'd probably come at me. I have lots of dreams about tornadoes. And oh. <laughs> Look, I don't know how to read in that, how you might or will or whatever, but he would come after me like a tornado, but like with his hands out with like double claws, you know, with Freddy gloves, <laughs> and he would slice me up like like a block of cheese. But... The weather kind of sucks, eh, Chad? Right. <laughs> no, what would he say? He would say something like, uh, what would his line be? Hmm. I had like a quick thought. I lost it. Anyhow, before we go, I want to thank you for downloading this episode of Movie Time Machine, Monster Closet Edition. Remember, new episodes of the Movie Time Machine drop on Fridays. Please send your questions, comments, and feedback to moviemachinepod at gmail.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at moviemachinepod to get updates when new episodes are dropping. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Sweet dreams. <laughs>